in this episode. Uh, we did, of course, have a biopic of Margaret Thatcher in 2011. And it's a film that Dylan sat and watched quite happily. He didn't really follow it, obviously. He's two. I don't know what I'm watching. I'm watching something that is like, well, what if it was real? Um, it's a little bit like what I always thought the first purge should be like. Well, you know, it's uh, the definitive uh, you burn down my village and kill my parents origin film, isn't it? Yeah, well, she's a survivalist, you see, who's been brought up to kill people from a very early age. I think I have to go see this film now. It's all right. Unfortunately, you had a kind of an uncomfortable sex scene in it. I believe that was like, one, people were like, why? Then they were like, oh, no, this is all right, actually. But then they seem to have gone back to, no, why? Well, it's a musical. Whether that's entirely necessary, I don't know. Uh, and then there's the twist. Do Would you like to guess what the twist is? She really is a witch. It is utter bonkersness. <laughs> utter bonkersness. I think we escaped a, a fate for this film. Um, so originally the, the director was going to do it about Trump. And I, I almost wanted to see that with zombies. I can't hear you from the sound of your own robot being destroyed. we have a problem. We're in a hut in the far north. It's freezing. Something has been uncovered from the ice. I've prepared, I've grabbed myself a large battle axe and I'm wearing a loincloth, just in case I should be set upon by some foul minion. There's a creeping in the dark. I can hear a rustling. A figure is emerging. It's terrifying. It's coming back from my nightmares of the 80s. It's blonde. It's definitely right wing. It's the Thatcher. Well, it's funny. Like, as soon as you came back last show, Justin, we obviously decided that we needed to go out on, on a camping holiday. But I'm not sure that this yeah. is working out for the best at all. I've just been over to the main hall and they've completely banned dancing in there because of people drinking too much last night and oh, getting okay. silly, which is just like, so what are we going to do for the rest of them? And I've seen the people in the next tent and, you know, like they seem a little bit nervous in the daylight. I mean, I think there's something going on there. How are you finding the right. camping holiday, Ian? Well, I just tried to sheath my broadsword and I accidentally split open my shoulder blades. So I'm just going to sit down here for a moment on this rock. Uh, well, maybe we can watch some robots fighting, uh, Brad and Janet, later on. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we are the 80s kids and we are here to discuss uh, the also-rans, uh, not to mention the key texts of 2011. I am Leo and I am one of the 80s kids. And joining me across the table but on the other side of the planet, as ever, is... I am Ian, and I've come here to watch Conan the Barbarian, but it strange seems to be Hercules in Legendary Adventures, more than anything else, but oh well. Yeah, and joining us uh, for one night only, or for one show only, or like well, for part of one show, and then the whole of this one, is a man who is soon to be, uh, well, I don't know, uh, 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 more of a man than he has been before? <laughs> <laughs> Justin, <laughs> you are less of a man, but now you're slightly more of a man. Yeah, yeah, yes, that's. An I was about to, I was about to bogart his news. Then I you thought, were, no, I'm, going to to bionics, to. Yes. I'm not about to have kind of bionics or even additional appendages added. I'm going because to he's already had that done. That I am actually going to be a father in April. My lovely wife is pregnant, so um, all things are changing, and also kind of feels the same as well in some respect. Oh, it won't. Trust me. I might have inferred from this that I'm the least manly person here, then, Leo. You are. 
Well, funnily enough, I had a working colleague at one of my software development gigs who would have said exactly that, but then he was just trying to wind people up. I was just leaning back on his ridiculous statements about if you haven't had any kids, then you're not a man, in order not to bogue out Justin's news. So there we go. So I'll make a guess, if I ever have an argument with you two ever again, you've got this ace card you can pull out against me going, well, at least I can get a woman pregnant. In fact, (laughs) it's amazing. Have you been hanging around? around Derby looking at my uh, listening into my uh, old work colleagues uh, conversations because that is exactly how we used to try and win arguments with people who didn't have any children it never worked but he tried it uh, <laughs> But there we go. Right, okay, so Conan the Barbarian. We can't get more manly, manly. Yes, than exactly. Vibe. I suppose that's no. the testosterone has, has kind of rubbed off into the into the 80s kids vibe because we've got a Conan the Barbarian reboot. Although uh, some people feel that it was a bit of an anemic attempt. Uh, although I'm not one of those. I found it a very entertaining movie. Although, I will say, I felt like, yeah. oh, before I go in and talk about this, I should look at it. It's on Netflix. So I, I started it up again and do you know what? Even though I only go to watch half an hour of it, I was reasonably entertained, but I did notice that I only got like three minutes of actual Conan. Yeah. Because they do quite a long period at the beginning with Ron Perlman. I actually started to think, do you know what? They missed a trick here. They could have actually just not bothered with the Conan the Barbarian re They could have done a, a full Planet of the Apes and done a young Conan trilogy because the young Conan was pretty cool. And they could have just had a Ron Perlman trilogy with Jim being yeah. Conan's dad and built up to Conan the Barbarian. That would have been awesome. Well, you know, it's uh, the definitive uh, you burnt down my village and kill my parents origin film, isn't it? Anyone can do that old hackney trick, I suppose it's Conan. I, I started watching it. I didn't get all the way through it, I must confess. Uh, but it was perfectly enjoyable and not particularly offensive. I thought I was expecting something else, something closer to the sort of darkness that was in the original uh, Schwarzenegger Conan film. This seems a lot more safer. Indeed, I, I likened it to Hercules' Legendary Adventures. Indeed, if it had been called Hercules' Legendary Adventures, it, it would have fitted in, in my mind, with, with their sort of tonal universe. Which is weird, because I remember a saying on, on the cast of that summer that Dwayne Johnson did Hercules, that that's a really good Conan movie. Yeah. Not a very good Hercules movie, but it's a great Conan so there is some confusion in people's brains about Conan, Hercules, that whole crossover. Yes, I know that they're supposed to burn down his village and kill everyone and then he, he's there later on. But the fact is that uh, his mother dies right at the beginning in a raid and then he's brought up to some age by Ron Perlman as his dad. You know, that whole thing is like, yeah, I quite like this. I think it would be better if they had a whole movie of them bonding and, you know, maybe having arguments and then him doing his dad proud and thinking, yes, this is it, I've done my dad proud. And then they come in and slaughter everybody, and then you're all set up for the proper Conan movie. I think it comes from the fact of, hey, we've got the rest of the Conan, what should we do? Well, let's cast Conan. Who should we get as Conan? Hey, I know. Oh my goodness, that's bullet. Yes, him. Uh, well, once you've got him on your cast list, you've got to have him in the movie, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, Aquaman, he makes a great Conan. Uh, to be fair, I think this movie got unjustly shoved to the side. I think if it had taken a risk, like the Planet of the Apes thing, if it had left them wanting more, but I just think it doesn't doesn't really leave you wanting more. It leaves you going. No. Oh, that was fun. There we go. Moving on. It's all uh, right. Unfortunately, you had a kind of an uncomfortable sex scene in it, which was a bit like... It's a bit a bit like Watchmen. You are watching it and you're enjoying it, uh, and you're like, oh, this is I'd, a bit awkward. I didn't get that far, so uh, that's uh, obviously... Uh, okay. Neither did I, but now I have a renewed interest in this. You guys carry on. I'm just hoping my Netflix grow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's all right. It obviously wasn't exciting enough to make any more, but... Um, Reputation-wise, hmm. the remake of Fright Night that turned up in 2011... I believe that was like, one, people were like, why? Then they were like, oh, no, this is all right, actually. <laughs> but then they seem to have gone back to, no, why? I mean, this is a remake of Fright Night that has in it Colin <clears throat> Farrell and everyone's favourite Tenth Doctor. Again, like Conan, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a good night out. Yeah. You know, I've got, a co- I've got a copy of Conan and a copy of Fright Night. Uh, because they're perfectly fine movies. And this is the problem. If you're a perfectly fine remake of something that was perfectly fine the first time round, you kind of get forgotten. That seems to be the lesson. Yes. Taken away. Yes. 
I mainly know it sort of because they cast David Tennant in it, because a lot of noise was made about that, because at the time, David Tennant was a kind of a big deal. I mean, I suppose he still is, but his film career was just lots of misfires, it seemed. And he, we had to retreat back to television again to get acclaim once more. It's because David Tennant's an actor, and as we've already discovered in 2011 and to present day, Acting is good in films, but the requirement of it is that you can have a ping-pong ball on your head and stand in a big green room and then, <laughs> oh, we'll fill it in later, it'll be fine. Trust me, you'll look great. Act like David Tennant would be a shoo-in for the MCU in some part, wouldn't he? He'd be fine there. I mean, he's done Doctor Who, he can do that. Yeah. Well, he's already got the cinematic universe, hasn't he, um, with uh, Jessica... That's yeah, gonna get, so, that's gonna oh, get. Oh, that's true, he was, so wasn't it, he? It he was, that. he's done, he's done, that's shot his bolt. No, no, he's a good villain. No, he's, re- he's retconned, it's, that's gonna get retconned. It's, it's, <laughs> it's got retcon written all over it. They've cancelled yeah. half of it within a week. Kevin Feige was never keen on it. It's just gonna right. be like, no, that doesn't exist in the MCU. Uh, that's what's gonna happen. Trust me on this. So, Fright Night, the other thing that obviously is, there's not much to say. What's really interesting is that they took a movie from the 80s, which, I mean, how sad does it have to be when it's something that doesn't have enough fans to be a cult hit? Mm. I mean, Fright Night is just like, oh, it's just one of those 80s movies called Vampire and it's cool. Like that, that's about it, really. And they decided to remake it. I mean, it's kind of a weird agenda. Yeah. And then that's also contributes to us not really having anything to say. So Fright Night is a perfectly acceptable remake of something that, that possibly didn't need a remake due to not really being that well regarded in the first place. Whereas Conan the Barbarian could be seen as something of a mistake because people loved that Arnold Conan. And people also loved that Kevin Bacon, you know he couldn't dance really, Footloose movie. Uh, we have to mention this, even though it's slightly outside of our comfort zone. Yeah. Because it's, well, it's Footloose. It's a, like they tried to re, reboot, remake. I don't even know what it is. It's just some like, we've, de- I think what it is, is they decided to call a movie with some dancing in it Footloose. And I think that's right. about all we could possibly say about it. It's a bit like your Mission Impossible thing here. It's like, you shouldn't, shouldn't do that. Just make a dancing movie. Well, it's a musical. Uh, I think that's why it's here. It's not really a musical, it's a dancing, dancing. movie. Dancing. Dan- yeah. Dancing with music. I mean, they call it's them... It's why it's here. It's like Mamma Mia kind of a thing. It probably would have been fine, because they call them things like, as I understand, Step Up. Something to do with feet. They could have called it something to do yeah. with feet. They could have actually, that could have been the title. Something to do with feet. And it would be fine, just as good. Oh, what have you been to see tonight? Something to do with feet and not being particularly tight. That's that. More interesting. And in fact, this is actually probably one of the more interesting titles in this key 80s section. Yeah. Was, of course, the prequel, the Mm. exact prequel to The Thing that many people hated, but I find perfectly acceptable. Yeah. Maybe I've got a higher tolerance for what is... I mean, they've sh- I've seen people dissect the rubbishness of the CG in the thing. And it's like, yeah, it's not great, but for me it doesn't impair the enjoyment. Yeah, okay, so they didn't hire someone to make a bunch of rubber things. But I need more than that to hate something. Is it one of those prequels where you can, in fact, just watch it before you see the first thing for the first time? Uh, yeah, no, it's it's a pre- it's a prequel in the sense that they kind of made the films out of order. Yeah, does it enhance or improve the first film? I, w- I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't watch it before you see the thing. I'm a big if you watched this show before, right? I, I absolutely adore the thing, so I wouldn't watch this before seeing the thing. No. Why? I've done it. It's great. Really? Yeah, but I'm talking about someone who's never seen the thing. I don't mean watch it. You can you can watch it in the order, of course, because it's designed that way and it works very well like that. But I wouldn't choose to watch... If I hadn't seen The Thing before, the original, I wouldn't say watch this first. One of the clever things which you wouldn't... I think you would Oh! Which you wouldn't get watching it in the wrong order the first time, or yeah. in the, the production order the first time, is that the prequel goes to enormous yeah. lengths. It's like The Hangover yeah. 2 to set up what they find in the thing when they like so you get that and the point is that in a way if you watch them the other way around like it's presuming that if you've watched the thing several times since 1983 or 1982 or whatever that when you watch people go 
Oh, and so that's how that ends. Oh, and this is how this ends. Oh, right, like that. So you're so familiar with the original that when you see it all unfold, you're like, oh, that explains that in a way that that's kind of not really yes. necessary, to be honest. But the nice thing if you do it the other way is that all this stuff happens. And then when the people from the movie from the 80s turn up, everything's been left just the way that you remember <laughs> it previously in time. And that is... That, I mean, I think that's perfectly fine. Maybe, okay. I'd, 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 yeah, okay. Ir- irrespective of that, I went into this thinking, oh, I don't mark this up, don't mess up. This. And they don't. They are very respectful of it. So whether that's entirely necessary, I don't know. It's not necessary at all. But at least they didn't screw it up and they did it respectfully. So, you know, I don't know whether that's a criteria for making great films or not. Well done. You didn't do something terrible. And yes, you like this film we like. And I, I, there have been other films like that. And I don't know whether I'd rather just see something yeah. new or even a sequel. Yeah. For me, like, yeah, they did what they set out to do. Well done. But I don't know whether I'm much better off for seeing it. No, that's definitely a fair comment that you've made there. I was going to say, okay, so this is not a reboot. It's not a, not, not a remake. It is set in the same universe as the 1982 The Thing. Why is it just called The Thing? Again, confusingly, instead of like the thing, Alien Dog Dawn or something weird like that. Thing Part yeah. One, they would have called yeah. it. <laughs> the thing Part Thing Zero. No, it is very much Part One because then it rolls straight on. And, and one of the things, I mean, yeah, yeah, this is the thing. There's a lot of awkward parts where they're having to dovetail it. For a start, they very explicitly at the beginning go, "Oh, don't mind Bjorn. He doesn't know any English, but the rest of us do." Mm. Guess who's going to be in a helicopter at the beginning of the other movie? Um, and all of that kind of stuff. It's like they have to set up why did they not speak English? Because these two characters don't speak English. They're going to survive. Oh. And, and then there's the whole thing of um, the fact that I don't know whether this was deliberate, but obviously they, I don't think they really wanted to put a lot of money into this movie. And so therefore you can watch them without losing too much in the chronological order and the second movie made in 1982 is still better because one the special effects are still awesome and the cg ones aren't quite as awesome because you know they're cg but also and this is far more important kurt russell man no one in the (laughs) first movie 2011 prequel is of the kurt russell stature and so as soon as kurt russell comes in you're like kurt russell's in this now i might (laughs) consider my interest peaked to go further Mm. and so yeah i mean that's the thing when you make a clever film like that where it's like it all tucks in more or less nicely with a couple of awkward moments and then we've even gone to the length of not casting anyone who would like if tom cruise had been in the thing prequel that would have been it it's like then tom cruise left and in comes kurt russell it also um wasn't there cohesive cinematic universe thing going on, like Riddick, like The Matrix, where in fact there was a video game which was a sequel to the 1982 uh, thing uh, came out at the same time as well. Isn't it strange that here we are in this modern day of 2018, we're still excavating John Carter's greatest hits Mm. for for more movie content even this year? Uh, Yes, John Carpenter, not John Carter. I was like... Mars guy? I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I said John Carpenter. I just mumbled. Yes. Ah. Um, I slurred. I'm on painkillers good for today. Well, the thing about <laughs> it is that John Carpenter at this stage, uh, obviously, I think he had something to do with the recent Halloween reboot. Yeah. Um, he did the music, I think. Well, yeah, but this is the thing. John Carpenter, um, weirdly, uh, has left a much bigger mark on the modern music scene. There's a synthwave artist called Carpenter Brute. And there's, a, there's in fact an entire album of synthwave tributes called Carpenter. Well, the other thing was somebody asked a question the other day on one of my film groups about which directors had like a long unbroken string of, of really good movies. And John Carpenter was batting them out of the park from Halloween right the way through to In the Mouth of Madness with a couple of slight missteps, but even the missteps have their fans. <laughs> Uh, like, like there's a big enthusiastic mm. fan base for things like Christine and stuff like that. So yeah, and even if you take those into account, he had long unbroken strings of just not being able to make a bad movie. And then 
there's a came a point which he became incapable of making anything other than a bad movie. So you know, but yeah, his musical talent one has never been in doubt, but two has had a massive influence on many artists who are working right now, which is kind of weird, but at the same time very cool. Speaking of monsters. Oh wow! What's it? What a what a segue! Yeah, somebody was bound to do that one. Yeah, this is the last key text that is definitely bound tight to the eighties. After this, we start to wander off the topic a bit. Uh, we did, of course, have a biopic of Margaret Thatcher in twenty eleven, and I do remember at the time people were like, "Is it too soon uh, to have a biopic?" <laughs> of Margaret Thatcher and, and and stuff like that. Has she really taken her place in history? And I would argue that possibly those people in 2011 had some kind of premonition because if you were to look at that right now, right now is a very interesting time to look at Thatcherism given the current context, whereas in 2011 mm. it just seemed to be something that had happened and it was over. Yeah. And now we know that in fact it wasn't over and we've got dregs still to deal with. Mm. It's an uncomfortable movie. I think it's going to disappear, actually. I did, in fact, go to see it. Because ah. my dad wanted to go see it, and there was no one else who was going to step up to do it, so I did familial duty. You know, they don't really delve into her politics very much. They just kind of skirt over it, generally speaking. It's mainly about, <coughs> you know, she came from here, she got to here, and these were things that happened along the way, and various IRA murders on some of her work colleagues that occur over the period and uh, it's the frame mechanism is that you have a dying senile margaret thatcher who bookends it it's he's she's wanders out to go buy some milk in her dressing gown and is very confused and her daughter's taking care of her and she just she's pottering around the house pulling out knickknacks that remind her of little things it's they really remember how how she was a really great iconic woman and now her mind is totally decayed so obviously this falls down it doesn't doesn't deal with any controversies in her life particularly it's more a, a general admiration film i imagine uh made mainly for the americans who quite adore her at least, at least a segment of the americans do it's, it's strange coming out of there going oh, i didn't really unpack any of the politics because there's an argument to be made about what she was trying to do no matter what you feel about it and they didn't really tackle that at all i must admit i did find that frame mechanism a bit uncomfortable I wasn't like, mm, you know, I kind of grew up with all of this. She was just kind of a figure of this kind of bile in the in the zeitgeist. Certainly, yes. kind of a lot of a lot of the people that I wasn't exactly super political, but the things I were into, like you know, 2000 AD and all that kind of stuff, and comedy and everything else, were you know, kind of full of people who had that bile. And I, so I kind of got the feeling, oh yes, and I, as I grow, I kind of realised the extent of all that. So, yeah, to not have that does, yeah, I agree, kind of probably the audience is maybe not not us and uh, the certain type of sanitisation. So, yeah, I mean, I saw it, you know, you go, yes, okay, fair enough, that was that. I mean, it's not something I need to see again. Yeah, I think think what's interesting, I haven't actually seen it, but the things that you've picked out there, I mean, metaphorically, this shows you what a misstep it is because the whole idea of having her being in her dotage and, and expiring and just thinking back over the moments is takes a metaphorical position which obviously i think possibly was something that the writers and everybody's perfect this is a thing that happened this is a thing that is in the past this woman is dead the things that she did are over whatever is going on right now the things that happened at that time they're in the ground and here we are in 2018 and they're really not and you know all of those things a really up to the minute like it's a really important part of the history that's come back to us and that is why the film ultimately is going to be one of history's failures because it tries to say yeah let's just forget all about all that then and move on and now we can't do that it, it is a very strange frame mechanism that they use i mean i can't see anyone ever doing a ronald reagan biopic which has the frame mechanism of him being completely senile and having his mouth wiped down. It's really strange. But it is true what Justin says, because I grew up in the 80s as well, and the hatred for Margaret Thatcher seemed to be universal to me. No one had any good words to say about her whatsoever. If you listen to entertainment, especially alternative <coughs> comedy, oh my goodness. And yet she was this persistent figure that just kept coming back like, like, a, like a zombie, just could not be killed. And, and in some ways I'm feeling... I hate to get Blamondi here, everybody. 
it reminds me of modern day Trump because Trump is pretty much universally hated by the media and, and by just about everyone you speak to. Yet he obviously has this base of people who follow him who just aren't in this limelight. You know what I mean? It, it's, a, it's a strange cultural disconnection. I would say that the key difference, just to cap off your blamange and just to leave something, people with something to blamange on about, a key difference between Thatcher and Trump is that Thatcher created the shy Tory. That is, the reason why she kept coming back was because although the people who were shouting didn't like her, there were lots of quiet people who say, well, I don't agree with you, but I'm not going to say anything because you're uncouth and I don't engage with you. And therefore, she kept getting re-elected. Whereas Trump is in a thing where all of his supporters are the people who are, like, they are shouting just as loud in just all the same places, so they're easier to track. Absolutely. I don't I don't remember being super, de- I'm not I'm depressed, but I don't remember worrying because it was always like, well, I'm not a rich banker, so they don't talk to me. But, yeah, there is something a bit more insipid about what's happening at the moment that makes me feel more uncomfortable. Now, that as a biopic will be interesting, but, but yeah, <laughs> we, we, maybe we're, it's, 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 we're in amongst it. We need to... <laughs> we well, there will be a it. Trump film one day, that's for certain. Well, the, you know, the, Iron, the Iron Lady as a film, uh, it basically, when people say too soon, what they, they mean, obviously you said you're uncomfortable with the framing mechanism, there's a case to be made that it's too soon for that, and it was also too soon to try and put the the figure in context in that way the yeah. film about margaret thatcher and her uh, influence and legacy has yet to be made we've got a little trilogy uh, not a proper trilogy but they all came out this year of movies which kind of harken into the 80s super 8 is a really interesting one is because super 8 is explicitly set in 1979 by jj J. abrams so not in the 80s but that's because I think that what J.J. Abrams wanted to do was a tribute to Spielberg, but not the 80s. He wanted it to be Spielberg only, but unfortunately, Spielberg is so bad, E.T., for God's sake, is so bound up with the 80s yeah. that that it kind of doesn't succeed in being not having any 80s influence on it. Real Steel, I think, doesn't attempt, like, explicitly to be like an 80s, but it's such a Karate Kid movie, just with big robots instead of... And then it's got a father-son relationship, so there's a kid in it, which is a very 80s thing to have a, a, a child protagonist uh, as part of it. And they're the underdogs, and they come up to win the championship in a fairly unconvincing manner if we're completely honest so and he's a deadbeat dad as well which is a lot more of an 80s thing so he's a he's a bad parent who becomes a good parent during a sporting event that has robots in it with a child protagonist it couldn't be more 80s unless it was actually made in the 80s i've got a real love for this film and what i also really love about it is that it was on television like one of the broadcast channels earlier this summer so only about two months ago and it's a film that Dylan sat and watched quite happily. He didn't really follow it, obviously. He's two, but he was happy to watch it. And it's got that family vibe. And then we have Tower Heist, which uh, is one of those kind of... Well, it's got Eddie Murphy in it, for a start. And I think it does try and play as much of the 80s nostalgia as it can, it being a sort of a, a cheeky crime romp. Uh, who's seen what? I know you've seen Super 8, Justin. It's interesting. I forgot that it was set in 1979. I mean, it has that 70s vibe running through it, strangely enough, even though it's so close to the 80s. And it's, I don't know, it's it's kind of like someone's taken, you know, that kind of precious kind of Close Encounters E.T. thing and all made it a bit more miserable. I wanted to enjoy it more. There, don't get me wrong. There are parts of it that are great. I really like. I mean, there's a bit, the bit I most prefer is nothing to do with the aliens. It's just to do with the kids running around making films. And I almost wanted to see that with zombies. Then I'd rather have seen that than the trying to do a kind of a Spielberg. If you're going to do a homage to it, it has to have that lightness because otherwise I don't know what I'm watching. I'm watching something that is like, well, what if it was real? I don't want my E.T or something to be more realistic and grimmer. I want it to be optimistic. Earlier in the season, Ian and I briefly had a warm glow about Explorers. Yeah, absolutely. One of the kids in Explorers has a dad who shouts, uh, who has big arguments with mum. He doesn't want to go home for whatever. 
And it's not that they skate over it, because we know this, because it's in the story, but the fact is that they make a cool spaceship out of a... Yeah. They have an escape. And I, I think Super 8 missed that idea, that the idea that the fantasy element was kind of like an escape. Yeah. It wasn't at all in Super 8. It's kind of oppressive. It continued to oppress. The bit that gets me... Basically, the, there's an attack on the on the home, and all the houses are destroyed. And and you know, there's, you're aware of people around dying. And it's like this is not kind of that place. My, I mean, I was I was um, at a John Williams concert last night. Unfortunately, he was ill, and so he wasn't actually conducting. And so you know, I'm listening to this music, and it's taking me straight back to that place. And I'm feeling unbelievably optimistic and wonderful, and full of emotion. And this and Super Eight. I want this to have all these things. It doesn't have them. It's kind of cold. It's tricks you. It's like, oh, this is going to be nostalgic. Oh, yeah, I know where we're going here. And yet parts of it I just want to remove and go, they're great. Have them as a, as a they're fantastic. You know, the cast are really good. Yeah. And I just wished it just wasn't that thing. It's just, I would, I don't enjoy watching it, unfortunately. It's, you know, for me, yeah. it's, it, it should be for me, right? It should be. It should be kind of a love letter. It's meant to be. And it's like, well, I, yeah, I don't want that tarnished, you know. It feels too modern in some respects. Have you seen Real Steel, Justin? I've seen Real Steel. I really enjoyed it. That was fun. That was light and fun. And you're right, all the things, all the, all the things you're saying, that was, like, very familiar to me. And I like I like a bit of Hugh Jackman. It's it's a very man thing. Like, the dad doesn't really bond with his son very well. So what does the dad do? He builds a go-kart with his son. I get the feeling it's that kind of a movie. It's like... That is so male, and, 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 yeah. and, and say that in a very joyous way. It's a very man way of, of finding a bond with someone. Oh, it's it, yeah. I think it is. It is. I think family macho, because there's no unpleasantness in the sense that the fighting is is brutal, but it's robot wars. So what do you want? And and although they do have stakes and things, unpleasant things do happen to people as well, that's outside of the main thing you're supposed to be going rah-rah about. And when it gets to the silly ending where the training robot beats the super expensive one, you just go, hey, you know what, yes. I'm going to go with this. <laughs> Yay! So, it's yeah, it's great. It's absolutely, it, you couldn't be any more warm, comfortable. You could put it on any time. And, I mean, yeah, and it is obviously a very male film because Sue doesn't have any of those warm feelings about it whatsoever uh have you seen tower heist justin mm, i might have done on netflix once i did it didn't i didn't jump out of me I, but i've got a feeling i didn't maybe i saw trailers because it doesn't seem i'm looking at stuff now it doesn't seem at all remote memorable tower heist has all the good things in it again it's kind of like real steel ben stiller is perfectly fine uh, and it's quite interesting because ben stiller is much seen as sort of 90s 2000s comedy actor and so to, for him to go back into this 80s scenario where he's kind of a, a concierge in a building and Alan Alder is having a great time being the villain who basically rips off the pension fund and then claims to go bankrupt so all of their pensions have disappeared. But Ben Stiller kind of knows that there's there's money to be had out of him. His estate is not as bankrupt as it seems. And it's somewhere in that penthouse, somewhere in that place. And Alan Alder does this thing where he's like the guy who's coming in and he's like, yeah, I'm rich, but I'm also a great guy. So everybody says hello and good morning to me. And then when he gets busted and he says, well, I'm bankrupt, I've got no money. And, and he they suspect that he does have money, but they don't know where it is. He manages to play, it's quite a complex villain, to be honest. He's got to play the victim while at the same time not being a victim at all, which is kind of like a sort of, now I come to think about it, an analogy for the bank collapse. Yeah. I mean, it's quite a complex movie in that way. And so, Ben Stiller goes and gets a, a number of misfits together, who includes Eddie Murphy. And one of the things that people brought back was, this is a great Eddie Murphy movie, because Eddie Murphy at this point in his career is so low down that they force him to just deliver the lines. They don't let him riff at all. And so all the work that Eddie Murphy does is around the lines that actually exist in the script. And it's brilliant. He's back. It's Beverly Hills Cop, Eddie Murphy. You're there. And that's amazing. And so this film just manages not to do anything world-shaking, but it just hits all the right 
buttons. And then they have a great action bit at the end with a crane and something heavy on the end of the crane and people swinging around clinging to the thing that's heavy on the crane. And it's just, yeah, totally worth it. So, yeah, and very 80s. It's a very 80s heist movie. I think we escaped a, a fate for this film. Um, so originally the, the director was going to do it about Trump. <laughs> and he was all up for it because, you know, self-promotion. And they were going to rob Trump Tower because they're all disgruntled employees. They changed the mind on that. So probably that that in in uh, hindsight is probably better. Well, to be fair, you can you can have the metaphor still the met- without yes. having the uncomfortable reality. Well, I think the problem like the yeah. problem would be the fact that he was in yeah. it and probably would have featured in. Definitely, the fact that it's a metaphor is much Um, better. Good trivia finding skills there, Justin. Yes. Right, so we're going to round up. I'm glad we didn't need to get into the the whole... I'm just going to say, I had this whole thing about... Just in case you're wondering, people were making a lot of comic book movies this year, and I'm going to run through those uh, very quickly. Green Hornet, Sucker Punch, uh, Thor and Captain America, obviously. Priest... X-Men First Class and Green Lantern. So a mixed bag there on the comic book movies. I'm not going to talk about them because we've got a a list of other movies which are more interesting here, which are the movies that have 80s pretensions. So we have Attack the Block. When I came to think about it, there is a bike in it. I put a note on the note saying, Ute not on bikes, although there are a couple of bikes in it where a number of young London lads have to contend with some an alien invasion, which is very 80s, but it's done in such a 2011 kind of way that it's really sort of a spiritual... I wanted to do a thing about kids fighting aliens, but I wanted to be these kids, not those kids, not Stranger Things kids, but kids from an estate in London. And so it, it's kind of like it's an update more than a, a nostalgia piece. Uh, we have Drive Angry, which uh, is merely uh, pretentious to the 80s on the fact that it's utterly insane. Oh, and it has Nicolas Cage in it, who's one of our 80s icons, which she shares in common with Season of the Witch, uh, which also has Ron Perlman in it, well, although that is a very strange film indeed. Uh, Your Highness is a, a, a stoner comedy, which uh, there was a thing in the 80s, and it's utterly stupid, and therefore yeah. harks back to the tradition of exactly that kind of thing in the early 80s. Drive of course has the soundtrack uh, but it's more of a 70s movie to be honest. Cowboys and Aliens well it's a high concept which was big in the 80s but uh, they show you how you can take a high concept and do it in a 2011 way where it has no fun in it. Columbiana mm. is your John Luke uh, uh, sorry uh, John uh, Luke Besson. John Luke Besson. It's because I'm watching Star Trek Next Gen on Netflix at the moment. <laughs> Luke Besson uh, exploitation action movie which obviously arcs back to Nikita which was 19 but it has that that sort of feeling in it. The change-up is, of course, vice versa with Ryan Reynolds and, uh, oh, God, I can't remember his name, and I can see his face, his cute little chubby hamster face, horrible bosses, uh, arrested development. Oh, Bateman. Jason Bateman, who is, yeah, so Jason Bateman and Ryan Reynolds switch bodies, which was a thing in the 80s, people switching bodies. Uh, and Your Next yeah. is a classic heart uh, back to 80s horror, slasher horror, with some, some great kills in it. And obviously also has the sort of the soundtrack, which uh, kind of takes it back. So we've got a number of things there that are drawing from the well of the 80s. Uh, has anyone seen any? Well, I know a lot of people have seen Drive Angry. I, I've definitely seen Drive Angry. I did it by going to a friend's house and we had pizza. It's the very sort of thing I used to do with you, Liam. Go on your house, you watch a cheesy movie and have a pizza. And that was such a pleasant thing to do. And my, I remember watching Drive Angry feeling pleasantly full of, of meat feast and having had far too much full sugar coke. But mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a very dumb movie that I love. And my favourite bit of all time is when you get... Fitchner? Fitchner yeah. There's there's a roadblock there with the police They're about to kill Nicolas Cage and his unbelievably gorgeous <coughs> actor's daughter and suddenly to the rescue over the horizon comes William Fitchner in a propane tank tanker playing hmm that's the way I like to do it he slams into the roadblock the tanker flips over he gets out surfs along steps off like only a man on a green screen can and there's a huge propane explosion it's awesome I can watch that <laughs> clip on YouTube on a <laughs> <laughs> have you seen any of the others i didn't know about attack the block perhaps because i'm living in australia these days so i didn't get much press but having just quickly glanced at it at wikipedia it goes oh john Boger and jodie whittaker i think i have to go see this film now mm. it is a worthy film it's a lot of fun in some ways it's kind of like 
maybe what World's End should have been, the third uh, Edgar Wright film. It's got a lot of that sensibilities, but in some ways he does it kind of a bit more uniquely. And uh, I really like that. Well, it's really good. It's amazing how you can put all of those kind of things in, and yet it's very, very kind of British London. Yeah. Salians fam called the feds. And what I would imagine was the tiny budget they do well with. I know you've seen Cowboys and Aliens, Justin. I think we went to see it together, didn't we? Yeah, I was kind of a bit. It's a bit like... What, what she, I mean, Cowboys and Aliens sounds fun, right? But it's, it's a bit meh. I think it has it's suffered from the fact that the two main characters were played by Daniel Craig and Harrison Ford, two of the perennial yeah. grumpy actors. They could have had a young lead who was kind of plays off of Harrison Ford's kind of... Yeah, like say, kind of inherent grumpiness and kind of graveliness, and you know that's not the right role for him, really. So yeah, it's there's not really anyone I remember standing out thinking I'm. It's got any enthusiasm for it. I have it burned into my consciousness that Harrison Ford's performance in that movie is it's me, Harrison Ford, being a, a sheriff. I'm being yeah. a sheriff, and I'm Harrison Ford. I'm being a sheriff, and that's mm. basically how it works. It's like yeah. that's not really that's that's not really even acting. I'm not sure what no. that is. I was he sheriff? Yeah. I just thought I just thought he was the big man, wasn't he? Who had who had the crew? I don't know what he was, his career was particularly. I, I think yeah, it's it's oddly depressing. They don't really have fun with the concept, do they? Instead, they have Daniel Craig with amnesia, and there's an alien princess princess or something else going on as well. Yeah, it doesn't really have fun with the concept of of them being cowboys. As soon as they become people just skulking about in the desert having to defend themselves from fast-moving aliens. It doesn't really matter that the cowboys, does it? I think it's based on a comic, and um, I probably would probably, yeah, go back to that, because uh, that, that, I'm sure, is probably, hopefully, a bit more entertaining. Yeah, I'm very forgettable, considering what shouldn't be for, de- for that title, but, yeah. As to Drive Angry is good. I enjoyed watching that with you, Leo. I think we may have watched that together. Yeah. I think we may have watched it back-to-back with Drive yeah. Angry, but it's very forgettable. It was very forgettable. Basically, see... Just, just, just to bring Ian up to speed on this, so that you don't actually have to watch it. Season of the Witch is Nicolas Cage is a guy who's taking this woman who's suspected of being a witch in a cage across a, a road, and they get beset by bandits. And Ron Perlman's there around the edge uh, for some reason I can't remember. And it's like an hour and fifteen minutes of them going down this depressing road with a woman in a cage. Go, please don't kill me. I'm not a witch. And then they get to a horrible, hideous uh, Transylvania-esque dark castle uh, and then there's the twist do would you like to guess what the twist is she really is a witch yeah and would, would you mm-hmm. like to see what it is utter bonkersness utter bonkersness like it just they just go hey you know what it hasn't been that fantastic up to now yeah um let's just pull all the stops out for the last 10 minutes um and indeed that's what they do so yeah it's kind of it's fun it's fun Nicolas Cage movie, except that it's a little bit draggy in the middle. That's the thing. I take it no one's seen Your Highness. I think I yeah. saw that on Netflix once. It's um, hmm. I'm not I'm not I'm, I, I'm not a massive kind of stoner comedy, uh, so it's like okay, fine. Your Highness, uh, I remember coming out of it, is either the kind of film where it's the funny one of the funniest films you've ever seen, or it's one of the most stupid puerile wastes of time that you've ever seen. You either find it funny. Or you don't. And yeah. if you don't find it funny, there's no, there's nothing to explain. No. It, well, the one thing I would say about it is that it kind of has a moment or towards the end, it gets into a territory where it's almost like, uh, someone who had mostly written sketches for Cheech and Chong suddenly got uh, together to write a script for a comic for heavy metal. Because uh, I mean, the, the CG effects are, are too good for a stoner comedy, and so like, you've got this, and it's yeah. really weird. Um, I love it. I thought it was hilarious, but I understand why people don't think it's hilarious. Um, and finally, the last one that's worth commenting on is your next, which I'm imagining no one here has seen except me. I don't know. I do scope quite a lot of horror films on. Oh, Netflix, you'd remember your um, next. So I- you totally remember. There's no way you can right. Is that the one? Is that is that the one where they're having a dinner party, or they're like a family together and they're wearing masks? Yes, is yes. That one? Is it just, I'm, I'm you need to pay yeah. more attention though, because the whole point is that it's a it's a switcheroo movie. It's like basically they have all the yeah. people gather at the mansion, and then they get invaded by people in animal animal masks who are going to stalk them and yeah. kill them. The person who you've already identified. Oh, that's the final girl. Uh, is in a cupboard with someone. Uh, they say, well, what are we going to do? And she says, don't worry, uh, I'll be able to handle this. And they're like, 
why? Well, you see, the thing is that my mum and my dad, they brought me up in a compound, like out in the woods and stuff. And I just spent the first 16 years of my life basically doing survival stuff. And I don't think these guys really know what they're doing. And then the rest of the movie is her. It's like Predator, except the girl is actually yeah. taking her trip wires and explosives. And they're like, what the yeah. hell is going on? It's like, yeah, well, she's a survivalist, you see, who's been brought up to kill people from a very early age. Uh, so I remember quite liking this. I like that. I did like that switch around. I do remember it. A lot of these things I totally, I totally forget about these horror films, but I do remember it. So yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's it's yeah, it's that fact that they went. What if you had one of these home invasion flicks, but one of the people there was just like able to take care of it? I'm just going to take care of this. Um, it's a little bit like what I always thought the first purge should be like. It's like yeah. the people home invade and then they get a nasty surprise <laughs> because suddenly it becomes like a pitch. It's like super, it's like Home Alone on steroids. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah, so there we go. And, and indeed, 80s pretensions. So there we go. Indeed. So, so there we go. That was, uh, the, all the, all the rest of 2011, which I think I can, I think we'll all agree. There's nothing you can understand why nothing in the list that we've talked about in this show uh, really made that top ten mark or should have been bigger or whatever. Uh, it's a very foundational year. People like the studios learned, oh, we should do more of this and we should probably do less of that. Um, that's how I feel about it. Uh, Ian? Mm, uh, sorry, I was completely distracted. I was just typing Drive Angry into YouTube. Uh, the first hit is Drive Angry trailer, then Drive Angry full movie, Drive Angry soundtrack, then Drive Angry truck scene. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what you're taking away from 2011 is, uh, oh, I'm going to go and watch that truck scene again. I think I might have to do so as soon as this podcast is over. Wow, that's impressive. Uh, uh, Justin, your 2011? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing, isn't it, kind of how much references there are in the 80s. I kind of hadn't really... I know there's in the zeitgeist, there's still a lot, there's still a lot of 80s, and now it's gone on to kind of stranger things. And But at this stage, I guess it was still ruminating, and then people were thinking, yeah, we could we could just keep doing this. The, the 80s got a pretty, pretty big punch in the face in, the pre, in 2010, when the 18 movie didn't perform at all. And I think that... This is very much the fruit of people going, um, okay, so we can't just be as blatant as making a really good A-team movie. Apparently mm. that doesn't work. But we're, we're confident there's gold in them their 80s. So what are we going to do? And so they're trying things out. And one of the things that helps that is that the 80s was a decade of trying things out. So in a way those of us who were around the 80s find this very familiar ground, we're trying these things. But then what gets in the top 10? A bunch of stuff where people aren't trying things yeah. out. All they're doing is phoning it in. And so, I'm obviously we don't realise, because we're in the soup of 2011, although we do realise it, we can see it coming on the horizon, because people keep banging on about it, and we indeed get two cinema outings in this very year that say, hey, you know what? Marvel are going to do an Avengers group movie next year. And that is very much, you know, the whisper. I remember going to see Captain America uh, and being blown away and waiting for yeah. the Avengers. But then I was in the club. I was in the club of people who were who were yeah. waiting for that to happen. Whereas now everybody's in the club. So and in 2012 was a big part of that. So 2012 is going to be a big year. And yep. 2011 very much lays the groundwork for that. Or maybe I'm talking utter nonsense. If people want to tell me I'm talking utter nonsense, Ian, where might they go to express such an uncontroversial opinion? Well, Leo, one place they could go would be our Facebook page. You can find our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash revenge of the 80s kids. And that's 80s as in numbers, so 80s. But podcasts are what it's all about, and to find a full archive stretching back from the very dawn of time, all you have to do is point your web browser at the 80s kids, and that's 80s as in word, dot blogspot.com. Once there, you'll be able to subscribe using the podcast aggregator of your choice, or stream and download individual episodes direct to your PC for dark reasons of your own. If people want to subscribe directly to the cast, Leo, uh, how might they do that? 
Well, Ian, all they have to do is set up a new feed in their podcast aggregator and point it to feeds.feedburner.com forward slash revenge of the 80s kids and that's 80s as in numbers again so 80s if people are so impressed by the audio they've heard today they would consider offering their support on patreon to make the world of the 80s kids brighter still they could check out our patreon campaign at patreon.com forward slash the 80s kids and that's 80s the word and of course, we were also joined today by our good friend Justin, uh, who is not mentioned in that part because, uh, well, he, he, he joins occasionally, uh, yes. but uh, it's always a warm occasion when that happens. Where can people find you on the internet, Justin? So you can find examples of my work at justindoodler.com, where there's, yeah, kind of illustration work and what have you. There may be some throwbacks to the 80s stuff because, well, I drew it, so, you know, I'm influenced by these things. <laughs> And there we go. It, it's it's so nice to have you around again. I, I miss uh, having I, off. I, I I wish I could be around more. Unfortunately, these days uh, I can't but, uh, make any schedule. But I do I tr- I do at least try and turn up at least at the end of. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I know. I know. You couldn't make it because you're too busy making love to a beautiful woman. Rub it in. Rub it yeah. in. Uh, right. Uh, <laughs> Just to sort of say, uh, for those people listening at home, you have uh, one more show to go after this, which will be our, our capper until Christmas, because, of course, Ian's going to be live in the building uh, at Christmas. Uh, but our capper for just the, the, the little amount of content we're putting out now is, of course, uh, our discussion and ruminations on how screwed Star Wars is at the moment. But this is, uh, you're listening to the end of us recording this season, as it were. Uh, so Justin's joining us as we, as we depart the recording of uh, season three. Uh, and I, to be fair, I mean, people haven't heard the Star Wars one yet, but I think that was a jolly good show. And indeed, uh, we've had a pretty good season. I think that the content compression thing is working out. Uh, what do you reckon, Ian? I'm, I'm just so amazed that we have seemed to very quickly fall into a kind of structured format to what we do with our six episodes which is immensely reassuring in a funny sort yeah, of way. Yeah, definitely. Um, it would be really nice, uh, I think uh, if the whole anchor thing could work out for us a bit and, and maybe we could get some more uh, stuff to, to talk about from a point of view of, of, of people talking to us. Uh, I feel sometimes we, we must be covering things really adequately because we definitely get people downloading stuff but we don't get people agreeing with us disagreeing with us telling us anything at all so maybe for 20 uh, 2019 that could be our goal so uh, from from that with that thought and with a dog uh, attempting to find something to chew on my sofa i'm going to say for this week bye bye from me a farewell and it's a goodbye from me <laughs> <laughs>